Good morning. It is wonderful to be together again, to pray together and to praise God together, to be able to stand and sing together. It's not something I thought I would miss, but it adds something. I don't know if that's the same experience for you, but there is something special about that, and it's um, not something that we take notice of, I suppose. So it's a great joy to be able to do that. Thank you to Nate for for praying for me and for giving me the easy bit. (laughs) As we talked about, uh, he mentioned last week, we've moved readings around a little bit. And so um, we think that um, since you guys had already gone through it, Nate would cover that. And um, it has messed things around a little bit, but we also think that there's an advantage in that going forward, that this section goes nicely with what comes. I also wanted to take the opportunity to thank Kate. I don't drive, and so it's um, very kind of her to bring me here. Um, So thank you. This morning we're talking about holiness and honour. And I'm going to read in a second the uh, section, um, chapter 4, 1 to 12 of 1 Thessalonians. And there are a couple of questions in there that we can sort of apply to help us look for what Paul is saying. One of them is, what does holiness and honour mean? Paul says, to live with holiness and honour. What does that look like? And what is God's will for us? And if those two things are combined, how do we understand that as a whole? So I'm going to read now. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honour, not in lustful passions like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters... We urge you to love them even more. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. In that and in Thessalonians as a whole, Paul repeats the idea of encouragement. He encourages the Thessalonians and he encourages the Thessalonians to encourage others. 
and he sees that they are doing that, but he tells them, do so even more. And that's the second thing Paul repeats in this section particularly. He wants to get across this idea of more and more, even more and abundantly more. What you are doing that is good, we encourage you to do so even more. By repeating that phrase, he's hoping to um, get the importance across of what he's saying. That we live to please God, first and foremost is where he starts, but that we love all the believers. And he begins by reminding them that he's teaching by the authority of Jesus Christ. It's not ideas that he likes and things that he and his friends came across that they're teaching, but it is by the authority of Christ, which is so important to recognise when he's talking to these people who have recently been changed. Their lives are different. Um, They need to hold on to something more than human teaching because there is a lot of variety of teaching and they need a reason, something to hold on to. And this is a great thing to, um, to take seriously because it is not by their teaching but by the powerful Lord that they know. And he says, God's will for you is to be holy. But he goes straight away on to say, so stay away from what makes you unholy or unclean. This is kind of what it means is to be different. That's why we talk about holy as to be set apart because it's so simple to understand that what it means is to not be like others, but to live the way God says and to be transformed as a community of people who understand what it means, according to God, to be clean or unclean, to be holy or unholy. And the big issue in this society is pagans and their sexual ethics or their complete lack of sexual ethics, realistically. This is why Paul is so strong on this specifically, because he needs to impress upon them the importance of not being like them. That God has taught you how to love and the way that they love is not good. And there's this struggle then for us who don't live in a society quite like that where there is no sexual ethic whatsoever. It may be more lax than we would like but it is certainly nothing like this time. And so for us I wonder what is the equivalent? What are the things that we become more and more like those around us without noticing that it's not good for us and perhaps they're more subtle, less obvious things, distractions, ideas, philosophies that seem good to us that aren't actually God's teaching. And he says, by staying away from those things, you will learn to control your body. This is something you practice. 
It's the idea of learning. How do we learn anything? You begin to learn something by being told about it, by being shown, perhaps, but how do we learn to drive? You've got to get in the driver's seat, realise that you have no idea what you're doing, and go through the process of understanding everything you have to do. And it's the same idea, that they are still living in this society of people and they have to practise being different. They can't escape it. They're still living in this place and so they have to practise dealing with the pressure that comes from others. You should live like us. Our ways are pretty good. They're much more enjoyable. They have to actually practise not giving in to that. Holiness is about loving and living differently. But holiness in this text, and I would say more widely, has something to do with our bodily being. God cares for our bodies. These are not things we were given to contain something good. They are created by God. And they are how we live out holiness, by using what we have been given well, by living according to God's commands. The law spends a lot of time talking about the body, how it's used, how to keep it clean, and what to do when you make it unclean to be in right relationship with your community and to be in right relationship with God. In communion, we talk about Christ's body, and that's both the uh, idea of us participating in Christ's body, being Christ's body, participating in Christ, but it is also a remembrance that Jesus really lived that he was really human, that he had a real body that was broken, that was harmed, and he bled. God cares about our body because he redeemed all of us, not just our soul, not just some part of us, but us entirely. This is what Jesus did. He made the way back to being holy. When we'd lost our way, when we started to think that if we followed rules, we'd get it all right. He said, I just want to love you. I want to be in relationship with you. And this is how you love differently. This is how you live holy. We do it for God's glory, but it is our body. In Romans 12, 1, Paul says, give your body. We tend to think of worship and what we do as sort of a spiritual experience, that some part of us just experiences God, but it is all of us, our whole being. That is why we are told, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. This is not a spiritual thing alone. It is your whole being that experiences and can know God. 
and it is about practicing and learning how to experience God in order to experience that love. In order to overflow, it is our whole being that we need to surrender and recognize belongs to God that he redeemed and made the way back to him so that we could live and love differently. That when we don't, and when those around us don't, it is not a teaching, and Paul says a human teaching that they are rejecting. It is the person of God, because that is our reign. He is the one, the being God, not his teachings that we are trying to achieve perfect doing, a perfect relationship with God, which he made possible. This is just something we have to practice. Loving one another more and more. Caring for a whole person is not something we think about. Do you have to care for someone's spirit? Something we can't see, something we don't understand, their spirit or their soul, the spiritual care. We also have to care for someone's heart, for their emotions and how they're feeling when sometimes they're difficult to understand and emotions are very rarely a rational response. They're very rarely comfortable. And we have to care for our bodies, for the bodies of others. We feed one another. And one of the ways that personally I receive great care of my body is by people bringing me coffee. Uh, it's something that means a lot to me. That is a genuine way to care for someone's body to feed, to give them water. That's why Jesus talks about actually caring for the naked, for the people in prison, for the sick. It's all caring for their body because God cares for our whole being. As I said, I don't drive. And so another one of the ways that I receive love is by having kind people offer to take me places that I need to be. It's an incredible gift to be given. But it's so simple for a lot of us. We don't recognise that um, travel is important because it can be so easy for us. Even if we don't have a car, public transport is pretty accessible. And it's so easy to find ways to get where we need to be, that we don't recognise the time that we spend with others. What are we doing that expresses love that we've forgotten the love in? What can we be doing to express love, the love of God that we experience, that we're hesitating to do? There are a number of you who come to church together and those of you who pick up others 
and bring them to church. Thank you for doing that. It's an incredibly kind thing to do. And it can seem so easy, particularly if you do it over a long period of time. Continually doing something can make it seem unimportant. But taking someone somewhere they need to be is a great way to care for their body. They can't be where they want to be just by willing it. And so it's a very kind thing to take someone and so easily overlooked and so simple, but expresses great care that you want someone to be wherever they need to be, and particularly here, to experience this community together, to be a part of this community when they otherwise may not have been able to. For those of us who are taken places, it's easy to feel like an inconvenience, to feel like you're not contributing anything and you're taking from other people. But you are giving those people who do things for you the opportunity to love you, which is an expression of love. Letting yourself be cared for. You receive love, but that other person gets the opportunity to love you, which is just as important. And those of you who do things for others, it's easy to begin to feel obligated. Like you can't escape doing it. It's just another one of those things that you have to do. There are kind of two ways to deal with that. Either you need to remember why. Remember that you do it out of love. Remember that it is a response to God's love for you, that you care for others. And that thing that you do expresses love. But perhaps you truly are just burnt out on it. There are things that you do that take time and energy and you are low on time and energy. Don't let yourself feel obligated to the expectations of others because we have to care for our neighbour as ourself. It's just as important to look after our own being. Perhaps all you need is a shift of perspective to remember why you do what you do but don't let yourself be exhausted by the expectations of others. Serve God. Paul says to love each other more and more. Love all believers more and more. And Paul says, mind your own business. The unfortunate thing about the wording there is that that is a colloquialism in English. What do you think of when you hear the term, mind your own business. It's very individualistic. You're being told, perhaps in school, hey, look at your own work. Mind your own business. Stop talking, you two. Mind your own business. There are all kinds of reasons that you would be told that. But that's probably not what Paul's talking about. What he seems to be saying is you need to care for one another 
in your community. Because what he goes on to say is don't rely on others while talking about this community. Care for your brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia. So it doesn't really make sense for him to be saying, you, on your own, do your own work, care for yourself, work really hard for yourself. It makes a lot more sense that what Paul is saying is don't rely on pagans, the others outside of your community, for the same reason that the Israelites are told you can't live with those other nations. Their ways will infect you. You will not live differently. You will not live wholly if you are living in close community with them. Their ways will enslave you. Their gods will enslave you. And so he's saying, don't rely on them. Because in that community, in that way of being, it's very easy to act like those around you. It affords you the advantages of being a part of that community means business, means easy way of life. And so Paul is saying, don't rely on them. Work hard so that they will see that the way you live is different. I will eventually learn to drive. Something I'll have to do and I will miss the opportunities to spend time with people. Driving with others, being driven by others is such a gift. But my hope is that in doing that, I'll be able to give that gift to others. The way that it makes me feel to be cared for by someone else is so amazing and so it would be such a great thing to be able to reciprocate that and also to give other people the experience of being cared for, of being loved in that way. Just sitting with people in a car is an amazing thing. It, taking the time to recognise the person you're with and that they care for you and that you care for them is a special thing easily overlooked when you're driving your family member somewhere they have to be, kids wherever they need to go, or um, driving somewhere you just don't want to go. But remember that we do it out of love and it is a great opportunity to experience that. One of the other things that we have to do is learn to overcome our fear of people's response to what we'll do or say. It's such an easy thing to think to ourselves, I just won't say that. That kind thing that comes to my head, they know they're doing a good job. They know that I care about them. I won't do that because they'll be fine. They don't need my help. Do we really believe that we have no way or no reason to share the love that we have for others. We have to learn to overcome our fear with our love of others. By experiencing God's love, 
to overflowing. We learn to overflow the ordinary. When we're doing our everyday things, having right relationship with God and experiencing his love, taking time to be with him can give us new energy, new ability to do the things we always do. And we overflow the ordinary because we overflow with love. It can be in massive and meaningful ways or you can send the text message you've been meaning to send, but you're worried that that person will be busy and you're interrupting something. Make the time to meet with people. Be together if that's something that you can do. Take the time to encourage others. This is something that's big for Paul and for a big reason. They needed to remember to keep doing what they were doing and to do so even more in both those ways, in um, doing what they already do and doing it even more and with even more love, overflowing the ordinary and to overflow with love in a way that made them do new and wonderful things that made them live differently, that made them noticeable to the others. Mourning with people, lamenting. Now is a particularly good time to just sit with someone, to talk about the ridiculous amount of pain in the world and the sadness that we feel at our inability to do anything. It's so easy to feel lost, but I don't know if you've had an experience of getting lost with someone that you know and care about. It doesn't feel so bad. You know that the other person is there and that they love you and care for you and that they will be there through the pain, whether it is deeply seated in your life and it hurts every single day because you've lost something that you deeply care about or whether you're just hearing all of the pain throughout the entire world and it makes you feel like you're powerless you just don't understand why God hasn't fixed everything. That's the opportunity to realise that he is in control and that he doesn't work the way that we want him to, but that he is sovereign. That he teaches us how to live and how to love differently drive together, spend time and recognise the people next to you, how much you love them, and learn to make mistakes together. You won't always get it right. I rarely get it right. But I'm trying to learn to just say 
the things that I think another person could benefit from hearing and do things without expecting someone else to respond the way that you want them to. Doing and saying things and being willing for it to go completely wrong and for them to misunderstand you and for you to say the complete wrong thing and to just explain. I was trying to express my love for you and it went wrong. I'm still practicing loving differently. As we take some time to reflect, perhaps you want to pray for the person next to you. Talk to them and talk to God about them. Pray over them. Um, encouragement and love. Perhaps there's someone else in your mind that you think of that could really benefit from um, being prayed for and maybe spending some time with and figuring out how to love. Perhaps you just want to sit and consider, maybe write something down. How will you practice loving others more and more, even more, abundantly more? Overflow the ordinary, overflow with love. pray and give you some time to reflect. Heavenly Father, lead our thoughts and our hearts to you and those who need you. Guide us. Amen.
Father, thank you that you taught us how to be holy. That Jesus wasn't just a good example of a life that could be led, but that we can know you because of what he did. We can be holy because he taught us how to love and live differently. Help us to experience your goodness and experience relationship with you to overflow with your love and overflow the ordinary. Help us to make mistakes together, to love and to forgive, to have mercy for one another and to take joy in loving one another, figuring this out in community, practicing loving more and more. Lead us on, Lord. Thank you.